Wisconsin. The Bucks have done it after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. To win it for the Packers. A dagger. I believe in a big cold love. Just the turn of the ball. There's a chance we can make it now. We'll be looking for the sun goes down. And hey, we're back with another special episode of Thirst and Ten. We got the host of the NBA Lounge, the Medium Unit, wow. Grant Bills. Grant, how are you doing? I'm doing great because, like, I love the NBA Lounge, and I don't Me really too. have a reason to do it this time of year. Uh, so, I mean, yes, it's great that the Bucks traded for Damian Lillard. That's outstanding for our team, but selfishly, like, also very good for content. So it's been a good week for that reason. And I think we've been planning to do this for a week or two now. It just kind of worked out well that we have a Damian Lillard trade to talk about now. This is actually the second time this has happened to us. We had uh, Matt Ramage on to talk Packers in the middle of March. Perfect peak Packer time. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be the day that Rodgers went on McAfee to say he wanted to go to the Jets. I was like, this could not have worked out better. So I think really, if you want good content, you got to join the Thurston 10 podcast you got to come out you got to book guests that's what happened we did i had the other side of the sword yesterday because on bill's show we had jeff levering on and 30 seconds before we were coming back on air with jeff levering i read that damian lillard is a buck and i'm like shit like (laughs) great the brewers won the division and jeff i love jeff levering but like probably should talk about the bucks so we kind of had to just you know we got through the levering interview and he was a trooper about it and but it was, it's just kind of funny how that works out sometimes. How long before you saw the tweet from Woj, did you actually believe it? Because my buddy sent me a text, and I was like, there's no way. No, this is a fake account. I had to double check for sure. I was walking back from the work, from the bathroom at work to the studio, and my I felt my phone buzz. And I have tweet notifications turned on for Woj and Schefter and like most of the, the biggies like Rosenthal um, and Shams, I guess. And I pulled it out of my pocket and it said, you know, Damian Lillard to the Bucks. And I sprinted back into the studio. Like I, because I, I didn't believe it. I'm like, I need to view Twitter on a desktop. I don't know why that seemed more trustworthy. Like my computer won't lie to me. My phone is, you know, who knows who's sending notifications to my phone, but I didn't believe it. I still don't really believe it today. Like I've been reading, you know, name story or whatever NBA writer. And in the middle of reading the story, I'm like, oh yeah, we got, we got Damian Lillard. Like I, it hasn't really set in yet for me, I think totally. Yeah, I double checked it and I was like, you know, I saw it. So it had to be real and I still didn't believe it. And then I walked through my job and it looked like a NASA launch. Like everyone's high-fiving each other and <laughs> yeah. hugging each other. Like I was like, dude, this is real. Yeah, I uh, I work in a studio all by myself. So I didn't have anyone to celebrate with. I guess Bill, like I said, Bill a message. <laughs> but Bill's like, well, I guess we'll talk about it next. We had Jeff Levering coming on. But um, it definitely, it hasn't sunk in yet. And, you know, the Bucks have been amazing now for a couple of years. And it's it's not that we've started to take that for granted, but I think the addition of Damian Lillard onto this team, I think people, Bucks fans who've maybe gotten a little complacent in the last couple of years, all of a sudden, I need to get tickets again. I need to go again, right? Maybe after the flash and, and the newness of Pfizer wore off and we, we've gotten so used to the Bucks being great. I think people are going to buy jerseys and, and show up in droves. This is unlike any addition we've really ever had. I mean, it's way more than Drew Holiday. And I love Drew. Like, it sucks that they had to trade Drew. But right after he said, like, I want to be a buck for life, that was kind of. Do you think, like, he caught wind of it? Like, his agent was like, hey, you're probably going to get traded to Portland tomorrow. And he's like, I got to try, like, a last gasp effort to. Or just troll. I got to troll the Bucks, make him seem heartless. Right. Uh... I don't know. I don't know what Drew's involvement was. I saw that Woj said on ESPN today that Giannis's involvement in this was, was zero. Like he literally wasn't involved. He wasn't recruiting. He wasn't campaigning. I think there was an understanding for sure that Giannis would love to play with Dame. I don't think the Bucks needed to be a clairvoyant or needed to ask Giannis that to figure that out. But I don't know how involved the players were, how in the loop that they were. I don't know that we'll ever know. Giannis, like, though, to me, he did it indirectly. You know, with all the, like, if I'm going to stay, they got to do this. They got to try harder. They got to try harder. I mean, you can't try harder, any harder than this. So, No, I and I think those comments from Giannis, I don't think those comments were saying the Bucs haven't done enough so far. I I don't think that's what he was saying. The Bucs have spent a ton of money in the luxury tax. They they acquired Drew Holiday. They they tried to get Bogdan. They essentially did, and then the league was like, "Mm." 
So I, I like mentally, I almost give the Bucks credit for doing that. Um, they've been hyper aggressive. They fired a coach two years after he won them a title, right? That's aggressive. I think Giannis's comments were more to say, hey, in a year or two, when Drew and when Middleton are up, like, don't think we're taking a step back and, and rebuilding for a year. We're not doing that. And Damian Lillard helps them out a ton this year. He's outstanding, but he also kind of pushes out that timeline and, and gives them some more breathing room so they're not staring down the barrel of, of Middleton and Drew and all these guys coming up at once. It staggers it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just going back to your original point about Woj and the article about Giannis not having any involvement, I, for one, believe that 0%. Like, I cannot wrap my brain around the idea that Giannis or the Bucks would trade for a Damian Lillard and not know for a fact that Giannis isn't 100% on board. So I'm, I'm not denying that Giannis said that or his agent said that, but... I'm, I, for one, am not buying that at all. Yeah, so I so the quote is here. Woj says on NBA Today that Bucks GM John Horst didn't consult with Giannis on the Damian Lillard trade because Drew Holiday was involved. So they were working with Drew, and maybe they didn't involve Giannis because they didn't want to put him in that situation. But also, like I think most of that is a lie to protect Giannis. So it doesn't seem like Giannis is shiving his teammate you know, in the back on his way out the door. So I don't know. Take that for whatever it's worth. Um I don't know. I don't think for a second that the Bucks, like what, what's Giannis going to do? Is he going to get mad? He, does he not want Damian Lillard? Like of all the other stars, I, Giannis has said no to stars. Historically, we learned the other night because a bunch of Giannis scoops were coming out that the Bucks thought about doing Middleton for Jimmy Butler. Giannis vetoed it. And at one point they had an opportunity to go after Chris Paul. And I've heard from a couple of people, and this isn't like hardcore inside information that Giannis really wasn't about that either. So there have been star players that have been available in the past free agency or, or trades where Giannis has been not so interested, but Damian Lillard, it's like these two guys were made for each other. What would you say would make this a successful trade? Do they have to win a championship? Does Giannis have to sign the Supermax? What has to happen for this to be successful? Or is well, it already successful? I, well, I was going to say, I think it's already successful like or successful. We're thinking two different things. In in my mind, this trade is not going to be proven to be a bad idea. Like we're not going to go somewhere in a year and everyone's going to be like, wow, the Bucks were dumb for trading for Damian Lillard. I, I don't I don't think there's an outcome. You know, if Damian Lillard gets hurt in some freak injury. OK, fine. How are the Bucks supposed to know that? You know, right. like I. I don't think there's an outcome in which people turn around and say the Bucks they shouldn't have done this, Damian Lillard. They're, you know, if, if they come up short, they come up short. That doesn't mean it was a bad trade. I think for this trade to be an overwhelming success, they have to get back to a finals because they haven't proven that they can do that post-2021. So if they're able to take a step with Dame, that's a success. And if they win the finals, all the better. But I think just getting back and getting over that hump they haven't been able to get past is would be a, a major success. I would agree that the trade is already a success. But if Giannis does go on and sign the Supermax, then it's like blown out of the water already. If they yeah. win another championship, then I don't see how anybody could complain. But I would say, yeah, like just the excitement too. Like you said, a lot of people are going to go buy Damian Lillard jerseys. They're going to go extend their ticket sales. So like it's already a success to me. But I know a lot of people, you know, they always want that and that but at the end of it. It's it's a success, but you got to win a championship or something like that. But And I feel like it's like a receipt, too. You know, it's like a, a physical. You can go back and say, we did this, you know. If he just comes and, you know, I think you need, like, proof that it was good. Yeah. I, um, I also think when you're trying to win a championship, winning a championship is obviously crazy difficult. I think once a team wins a championship, because they have that success and they enjoy that success – it becomes really hard to get back to and win a second one because that motivation, you know, you can be the most motivated player on the planet. Once you win one ring, I think there's a sigh of relief and you're always going to have that award on your mantle, which makes it hard to be sometimes maybe as, as unbalanced and as psycho as some of these players are to win a title. Like Brady is the outlier. I think Mahomes and the chiefs are going to prove to be the outlier shuffling the deck a little bit. And, and not creating a brand new team, but creating a new team that will have different strengths and different weaknesses and a different personality. I think just resetting it, this feels like a different team. And I think that will actually help in pursuit of a title because it feels fresh. It feels like, okay, this is a new challenge. Whereas when you have the same team and you run it back over and over again and it comes up short, I, those failures start to stack. 
And like we saw that with Breeze, couldn't get back to a Super Bowl and Rodgers. And I, I know these are NFL examples, but I, I think it applies across sports where when a team makes it, if they don't get back right away, the longer it goes, the harder it gets. So I think reshuffling the deck and and kind of giving this team a brand new look, it, it'll give them all a brand new challenge and hopefully kind of fire things up maybe in a way that that wasn't the last two years, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does, because I think they were kind of running into the same problems over and over again. So it was a way to kind of, you know, shake it up and we'll see what happens. Um, would you rather they have traded uh, Chris over Drew? No, because, well, like I like Chris and Drew both a lot. I think Chris's skill set. Let's put it this way. Chris, Giannis, and Damian Lillard makes more sense than Drew, Dame, and Giannis. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's a ton of redundancies. I think they all complement each other really, really well. Um, and Chris and Giannis have played together, obviously, for a long time. Drew in the playoffs was just tricky. You know, you compare true shooting percentages and stuff. He was a lot more similar to Bledsoe than I think you might guess. Or, you know, Bucks fans, we saw some frustrating offensive performances, so it, maybe it wouldn't be a surprise to Bucks fans. But his individual defense is, is the thing. And I've been thinking about it the last 24 hours since this trade happened. And, and maybe this is me being a fan and I'm trying to rationalize it, but you know, Drew Holiday is a great one-on-one -on -one defender, but I don't know if a great one-on-one -on -one defender when Jimmy Butler gets it going, I don't know if it matters, right? Or if Tatum is feeling it, you, you can put the best defender on the world on those guys. And I don't know that it matters because some of these bucket getters are just so good. Um, so I, I think Drew Holiday's individual defense I think the return, it started to plateau a little bit just because Jimmy Butler and Butler's not an ideal matchup for him because Butler's bigger. Um, so you give up that individual defense, but you keep the team defense of Giannis and Brooke and you bring in Dame, who's going to be so good in the pick and roll with Giannis. And he can be the true point guard. We don't have to worry about Drew playing off ball and being a catch and shoot guy, which would be one of the challenges of pairing those two guys together. So absolutely, I would I would rather keep Chris over Drew as as much as it sucks. I love them both so much. Yeah, I definitely think with the way that they officiate the game, too, in 2023. Like, yeah. a lot of the calls that Jimmy Butler gets, you just watch him get it, and you're like, well, what are you supposed to do? If you jump, he leans into you. If you don't jump, he gets an easy shot. You're, you know, it's almost like watching, like, a like a pitcher with a great pickoff move, mm -hmm. and, like, the, the runner can't time it. You know, like, it's just so hard to play defense in today's day. And, honestly, I think the leagues want that. You know, like they yeah. want as much yeah. scoring. I also think there's more James Harden and Trey Young to Jimmy Butler's game than a lot of people would like to admit. Like there are some moves with Jimmy Butler where it's like, you, you kidding me? Like you're gonna give you're gonna give him that. Whereas when I watch Harden or Trey Young, we're always eye rolling. It's like, oh my god, he's like pulling up in these dumb spots to initiate contact. There's, you know, Jimmy Butler is more of a free throw merchant than than sometimes I I think we because he's such a dog and his personality is so unlike Harden and Trey Young but there are parts to his game where it's you know there's a lot of foul hunting there so I, I would agree yeah 100 percent yeah and I think a lot of what's gotten lost in this trade is that the Bucks have lost a little bit of wing depth who do you want to see be the fifth starter uh, probably Pat I just I don't know I like Pat I like Pat I think more than some Beasley is another name that's been thrown around excuse me I mean Pat's not going to give you the defense Adrian Griffin's just going to have to cook up a defense it's like hey you have the you have the most versatile help defender in the league in Giannis he can cover any position he can help from any position there's piece number one and piece number two you have Brooke Lopez who's an unbelievable defensive center who's a master of positioning and, and swatting shots you got to make it work with those two guys right like I, I don't care who the third wing is or who's playing the three or the two with those two guys, you should be able to do plenty on defense. So that's challenge number one for Adrian Griffin. He lost one great defender, but he's got two more. Um, I don't know that that extra starter, Pat or Bochamp or Beasley or whoever it ends up being, I don't know if that that player will be picked with defense in mind. I just think it's it's who's hitting threes. And I would bet money on on Pat being that guy right now. I don't know if that'll be the case the whole season or if, if that'll be day one opening night, but I think that's where, where the Bucks will end up is with Pat. Yeah, I think one of the biggest storylines for the season is can Bochamp leap Jay Crowder in the rotation? If he can, I think this team has a lot of potential to go on and make a deep playoff run. But if they're relying on Jay Crowder to shut down a Jason Tatum or a Jimmy Butler yeah. in the playoff series, I don't know how confident I feel about that. And then we're going to have to outscore them, 
which I think we can do, but now you feel better about it. Yeah, now you they, feel a lot better about it, but I would rather the Bucks still maintain some of that defensive identity. And I think Bochamp is probably your best, your best path to doing that. Yeah. And it depends. We don't know what Adrian Griffin's offense or defense is going to look like. Part of the reason Bochamp didn't play as much last year, I think, as a lot of Bucks fans wanted is the Bucks drafted him thinking he could cover like threes, fours, and, and even fives. And they learned pretty early that that wasn't going to be the case. They don't need another guy to guard twos and threes. They they had that in droves last year. They they needed someone who could guard up and defend up a little bit. Uh, and that just wasn't something Bochamp was able to do. So we'll see if that's a skill and, and and something that he's added to his game, especially defensively. But I also, I don't, I don't know. Bud was not great at developing guys undrafted or first round picks, lottery pick. Like it just, they'd get run in October and December and they'd have these nice moments and, and you know, we'd tweet the highlights. And then as the season went along, they'd fall out of the rotation and it, it never felt like we went anywhere. I'm excited to see how Adrian Griffin approaches some of these young guys. Cause there are young players on this team that people are excited about. Um, they're just not lottery picks. So how Adrian Griffin decides to bring those guys along and use them, that's going to be a really interesting part of, of the beginning of the season. Cause it could be totally different than what we saw from coach Bud. Yeah. Do you think that was planned at all from coach Bud? Like, it seemed like he relied a little bit too much on the veterans. And we wanted to see, even, like, going back to, like, Mamu or Wara or yeah. somebody like that. Like, they looked like they were pretty good starters on other teams. You know, maybe not. They weren't going to be a starter in a playoff team. But they yeah. looked like NBA caliber players when they went to Indiana or San Antonio. I, I think, well, and, and part of that is, too, it's San Antonio and Indiana. Those teams just aren't as good. And they don't have as many great players. So that that's an element too. But I, I don't know. Bud was just probably over it by the end. He's like, look, you guys, we're all in. We've traded all our picks. We've spent all this money in the luxury tax. We have an aging Chris Middleton, Giannis in his prime, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday. I mean, I would understand if Bud was like, it's not my job to develop the 25th overall pick. We're trying to win a title this year. Um, and, I, and I don't know if the future of the Bucks four years down the line, three years down the line, was of much concern to Bud. And I, I, I guess I don't entirely blame him because he's not even on the team anymore. So maybe it was just a different approach. Maybe Bud didn't care. I mean, look at the Brewers right now. We don't have time to mess around with Joey Weimer. You know what I mean? Like, like we're, we're in the end game of this season. We can't waste it bats. And I think probably the last couple of years, Bud felt that way about some of the young guys. He's like, I don't, I don't have the time or the energy or the patience or, or the opportunities right now to run Bochamp out there. We're, we're trying to get a number one seed and win a title. So I, maybe I understand Bud a little bit. Maybe Adrian Griffin will be the same way. I hope not because they have some guys that I'd really like to see develop, but that's all part of the process. Yeah. Well, um, so real quick before we move on from basketball, Jimmy Butler said that uh, the NBA should look into the Bucks for tampering. Yeah. Um, do you think that's anything to be concerned about for the Bucks, or is that just Jimmy blowing smoke? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Can you tamper in this situation? Yeah, I don't know. Are we allowed? I would assume we would have to get permission from Portland to talk to Dame, and Portland would need our permission to talk to Drew. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can tamper or not, but it, I feel like it's a really soft look from Jimmy. Maybe even yeah, David Bakhtiari soft. I think he was just in his feelings. <laughs> I think he was too. Tyler Hero tweeted about it as well, which is funny because, you know, Tyler Hero is a little bit of a background and excuse me, saying he's going to play in one place and then ending up playing in another. So it's just kind of rich seeing that coming from, from hero. I'm still I don't know what Jimmy it. Butler's up to. It's, it's <laughs> very unlike Jimmy Butler. Um, yeah. I don't know if tampering is even a thing in this instance. We heard that, uh, that Dame's agent reached out very quietly to the bucks and the nets and said, Hey, Dame will play for you guys. Um, I'm not going to tell Portland, but I'm just dropping you a little note, give him a call uh, and explore it. And I, I think that's what ultimately really got this over the top. I don't think Joe Cronin wanted to deal him to Miami. And he said, screw the heat. I'm not, I'm not helping you guys. Like, I'm not giving you what you want. And that works out really well for the Bucks. Like, I don't know if that's the best general manager move from Joe Cronin. You try to get the best package, but, you know, he didn't love Tyler Hero and, and Hakez and uh, Jovic and that package. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm not crying tears for the Miami Heat and their fans, though. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think just a little bit concerned – just because of the Bogdanovich situation a couple years ago, like yeah. I don't think the NBA wants a super team in Milwaukee. Like if he went and played with Giannis in LA, 
I don't think the NBA would ever even look at it. But yeah. the NBA, you know, they're all about making money. I don't think they want to see another NBA Finals in Milwaukee. So, I mean, I think the NBA is coming out ahead of year either way because they get Damian Lillard out of Portland. Damian Lillard, imagine how popular he'd be if he didn't play it. 10 p.m. on the East Coast and 9 p.m. in the Midwest. You know, he's going to be on a team now that gets a ton of nationally televised games, a lot of eyeballs. So, yeah, maybe the league would prefer Damian Lillard in Los Angeles. But Damian Lillard was in friggin' Portland. Like, anywhere he goes, especially next to Giannis, like, that's an upgrade, I think, in the NBA's eyes. So, I, I don't I don't know if they would want another finals in Milwaukee or anything like that. Who knows? Um, then again, they just had Miami and Denver, which was a wet fart of a finals. So, um, <laughs> it's not like we're having Lakers Celtics every year and the Bucks are the the exception. It's been a pretty mixed bag over the last five or six years. For sure. Let's move on. We do have a Packers game today. Like who would have thought Packers game day, Brewers yeah. just clinched the division and we're mm -hmm. talking about the Bucks. Like yeah. who would have thought that 48 hours ago? Not but yet. What more do you want to see from Jordan Love? Like, if you got the notification on your phone, you wake up, you look at your phone, Jordan Love signs a five-year extension. Would you be happy about that? Would you be sad about that? And what would you have to see to be happy about it? Um, It's a good question. I'm excited for games against the Lions and the Vikings. I think that'll be a, a very good litmus test. <clears throat> because these are going to be intense rivalry games between two teams that know each other very well. Um, and I think games against the Lions and the Vikings, even though the Vikings haven't won yet, I think the Vikings are a lot better than 0-3 and U.S. Bank is is a crazy place to play. If he goes to Detroit or if he goes Jordan Love to, to U.S. Bank and looks overwhelmed and looks out of his depth, you, you know, that would concern me. So I, I, I want to see that swagger and that poise that everyone keeps saying, all, all his teammates keep talking about. I want to see that at U.S. Bank Stadium or at Ford Field or in a game against the Lions like tonight. So I think games like this will be a, a litmus test. The deep ball I want to see get a little bit better. <clears throat> I think fans maybe have, have gone a little bit overboard about how to talk about it. The deep ball is terrible or it's awful. Um, I, I guess I, I don't know if it's been that bad. He's just had a, a couple very obvious misses. Um, he also has rookie cool. wide receivers running all of his routes. You know, yeah. like, how is he supposed to have timing with them right now? Yeah, they're they're working on that. So he's he's struggled a couple of times. He's had Musgrave and and missed him when he's been open, uh, and and part of that might be on Musgrave. But you know, we held Rodgers to a standard last year. You know, when Rodgers would miss a throw, we weren't saying, well, the young wide receivers are in the wrong place. Like we weren't giving Rodgers any benefit of the doubt last year. So it feels a little bit unfair to explain away every Jordan Love miss. But I think I think there might be some truth to to Luke Musgrave. You know pulling up on a route a little bit or, or, or running in a slightly wrong angle. So I don't know. I want to see that deep ball come together a little bit as well. I like everything else. The intermediate passing game has been awesome. Jordan loves average air yards per target is, is near the top of the league. He's not just checking the ball down. Um, in fact, maybe you could argue you should check the ball down a little bit more. He is pushing the ball down the field, just not way, way down the field. You know, well, so I want to see that develop a little bit more. I also wondered, too, if he had Aaron Jones, would he be checking the ball down more? It's a little bit yeah. tough to justify giving A.J. Dillon seven, eight targets a game right now. And I feel bad for A.J. Dillon. I use, I got drunk with A.J. Dillon one time. So, you know. Good drinking partner? <laughs> he was great. It was actually, believe it or not, game seven, Bucks nets I was in Door County for my anniversary. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, A.J. Dillon walks in. He wasn't, like, really famous like at this point, you know, he was just coming off a rookie year. He kind of played sparingly and only like me and like a couple other people recognized him. But yeah, like we watched the entire game, like at a bar right next to AJ Dillon. He was going crazy. He was cheering for the Packers. So I've always kind of been a closeted AJ Dillon fan, but yeah, he had a great year after that. So I'm taking all the credit. I think we need to go back out drinking. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I, I think I can fix them if we just go to the bar. I think I, I um, know the secret. I'll defend AJ Dillon that I, I, I think he's a lot better than we've seen the last couple of weeks. I don't think he's some superstar running back. I, I don't think he's incredible, amazing, you know, top back in the league conversation. Good. But I think he's a lot better than this. And I think he's just, there's, I think there's lots of issues. I, I don't know if, if always they run the perfect sets for him. I want to see him getting the ball in the eye formation when the quarterback's under center. I just think that works better for him. And also he just needs a, he just needs a good game or two. Honestly, he just needs to see 
the field and feel confident. And I think until he busts a couple big runs and has a big moment at Lambeau Field tonight against the Lions would be a great opportunity for that. Just a little bit of a confidence booster, just like a basketball player seeing the ball go through the net a couple of times. You know, I, I think that would work wonders. Uh, and I think he can be a really nice complimentary back. He can't be a lead back, but he, he could be a really nice number two. I'd like to see him getting back to that. He looks like a baseball hitter right now who's guessing. Like yeah, when he bounces yeah. it out wide, the hole was in yep. the middle. When he runs into the middle, there was a giant gap outside. He looks like Willie Adamas for the first five months of the season, in all honesty. And yeah. Willie Adamas has kind of figured it out. So hopefully A.J. Dillon can do the same thing. You guys want to break some Packers news on, on the podcast yeah. here? David yeah. Bakhtiari just got placed on injured reserve. So, which, which Im important to point out, you can't do that retroactively in football. So it's not like, well, he's missed three games we'll go but like no this means at least four more so i was wondering if this is going to happen it's like well if he's missing this many games i wonder if he just goes on ir but yeah, there you yeah, go i mean we were actually going to ask a david bakhtiari question next so Beautiful. so yeah great segue if you just want to write down all of our segues for all of our shows because <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> we're, usually we're, we're usually pretty clunky so yeah oh, how many games does David Bakhtiari have to play to still be worth his contract? Well, um, well, let's see. He's missed. He's missed the last two. He's missed three. So he's going to miss at least seven. Am I counting that correctly? Because it's going to be well, or or is tonight's game? Does tonight's game count? I would assume that's why they did it before. And we have sure. a bye week in two weeks. Yeah. So he will miss at the very minimum, if he, if the only games that he missed are the ones that he's missed so far and four games off the aisle, he will miss six in total. And that's, that's borderline close. Like if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, Hey, how many games can Bakhtiari miss and still have this all be worth it? I would have said, you know, if he can play 11, 12 games, if he misses five or six, I'm, I'm okay with it because I still think he gives a lot of value to this team when he can play because you're trying to develop a young offensive lineman and a young quarterback and, and any point of stability, any, any one veteran that you can sprinkle anywhere on this offense to help those guys out is massive. Um, but I, I don't know if, if there is a point now where he's going to be worth this contract, if he's going to miss six games at the minimum, uh, I, I don't know if he's going to get there. Cause I can't imagine he comes back from IR and all of a sudden is, is ready to roll and, and play every game the rest of the year. I can't see that. Yeah, and I mean, it's just so frustrating, too. And, like, I get, like, I'm not an NFL player. But when you mm -hmm. hear that somebody yeah. isn't practicing, I know I put on a few pounds, so I look like I might <laughs> be alignment. But when you hear, like, somebody isn't practicing, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, how can you play? Because, like, you know, like, the first workout back is always the one in which you're the most sore. You almost need to condition your body. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. I'm not even an NFL player. But, like, if you're not practicing, how can you play? Like, I, it, that has never made sense to me. And it's not like it's like a Charles Woodson situation, which he's, you know. Yeah. Like, he's not practicing because he doesn't need to. Like, this feels like he's not practicing because he's injured. And Yeah, because he can't. Yeah, yeah. like, he physically can't. So that's a good question uh, and a good point about like, well, your body gets used to the cycle, right? Of playing, right. recovery, practice. There's this ebb and flow. So maybe the fact that he's not practicing, he's not doing anything during the week, makes that come down process after a game even more difficult. And that makes it more difficult to then get ready and, and be in good shape to play for the next game. I don't know. I, I'm, I've kind of run out of things to say on my show about David Bakhtiari just because it's it's sad. It's a bummer. It, it it's is. a major league bummer. And I don't know that it's anyone's fault. I don't know that there's anything anyone can do about it. It just kind of sucks. It's sad. And I feel like I'm the victim because now I have to watch a worse brand of football. Yeah. That's the we're saddest the, part. The fans, the fans and the owners, we're the ones who really <laughs> suffer from all this. Not there to mention you, you know, chronic knee pain and, and swelling, but the fans really. Whatever. He's man. a millionaire. <laughs> you know, you know, like you rub hundred dollar bills on it. He'll be fine. I, I don't totally disagree. I, I feel bad for him in that he is still awesome and he can't play. That would suck to be able to be one of the best at the world at something and to not be allowed to do it because of your body. That would suck. Um, but he's not going hungry at night. So, there, you know, I, I do feel bad for him, but I, I do get what you guys are saying. Totally. Or thirsty. Or thirsty. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Yeah, he's not going hungry or thirsty. That man can suck down some beers. All right. So the big game tonight, Packers Lions. Uh, what's your prediction? Um, I think with with Watson and Jones playing, I'm I feel good about the Packers. I think it'll be very close. I, I feel the same way about all these games. The last three weeks, ever since I saw the Bears game and and got a read, I, I think they're going to be in a, a six point game at the most, either trailing or leading. Uh, and I I think with Watson and Jones back, they have a really good shot to win. So I'll pick the Packers, but it's not like I feel like incredible about it, you know. Yeah, I think uh, the Lions, they lost their safety. CJ, Gardner, Johnson, I think. I think I'm yep. saying that right. Um, I think that's a big loss. You know, like they've had a bad secondary for the past few years. If they can get Christian Watson and if Love and Watson are on the same page, I mean, I started Watson tonight in fantasy, so not a boy. feeling good. I'm feeling good. I mean, the, the cool thing about Watson, he's on a pitch count, or at least we've been told he's going to be on a pitch count going in tonight. Um, he only needs to play a handful of plays to really make an impact. You yeah. know what I mean? Just because it's it's almost the threat of him. It's like a great three-point shooter. It's the threat of that person that manipulates the defense to covering more area and to paying attention to more space and to more guys. So if, if Christian Watson plays 12 snaps tonight, he can be uber, uber impactful. He could be crazy impactful without ever catching a ball, which I hope for the sake of your fantasy team is not the case. <laughs> um, but Christian Watson could play. He couldn't get a target tonight and he could still be impactful, um, which is why you draft someone who's six, five and can run a four, three, you know, that's the idea of getting a player like him in the first place. Yeah. He's going to open up a lot of lanes for Aaron Jones. Hopefully is it official that Jones is playing? Is that official? Well, Patrick, or- Patrick Taylor's not active, so that I would Jones has to play unless something crazy happens before kick. Then yeah, he would he would have to play. Perfect. Uh, let's move on to the Brewers. If you have any uh, breaking Brewers news, that would be I'll a great. My, I'll keep my eye open for it. <laughs> okay. um, I know, like they just clinched, but they've clinched four out of the last five years. So I feel like this team needs to have a bigger goal than just making the playoffs. So what does a successful playoff run look like, in your opinion? Oh, you're asking the hard questions. Yeah. Um, you That's know, what we do. There, there was a moment this year where I thought the goal for this team would be get in the playoffs and get Weimer and Terang and Freelich some experience. Get them in there get them used to playing in the postseason. So when we hit the ground running next year, it feels like we have a base and it feels like they'll be ready for what September and and October baseball brings. Um, But, you know, the closer we get to the postseason, I do buy the hype that they do have this incredible rotation, these three awesome guys. I really love their bullpen. um, And I think they could potentially hang in there and win games against any of these other teams in the NL. So what does a successful playoff run look like? I mean, I think if they get to an NLCS, it's a success. The problem is, is we did that in 2018. We did that in 2011. Uh, and fans aren't going to hear that. But if this team is in a competitive series in, in the championship round in the CS, I, I'm not going to complain. I'll be sad if they lose. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think that would be considered a successful playoff run because it's something that ever since this run started six years ago, they have not done since. So to get back to that point, uh, I think would make this playoff run a success. Yeah, when we were in 2018, it felt like, at least for me, it felt like the future was ahead of us still. So I wasn't too mad, you know, when we lost because I was like, "We'll we'll be here again. We'll be here again." Now, I don't know if I can say that with so much certainty. So, like an NLCS, like I'd take that right now. Yeah, yeah, and we don't know if Council's coming back. Odds are he probably isn't, uh, and this is probably their last run with Craig Council. I think Craig Council is at his fiber and at the the fiber of the Brewers being so crucial to what this team does and how they win games. Maybe not everyone feels that way, but I think not having counsel as the manager next year would be a massive disadvantage to this team. So that adds to the sense of urgency as well. And like Mark Canna has been awesome. Like they did a very good job at the trade deadline this year, Santana. I mean, they just needed a competent first baseman, which is something they didn't have the entire year. So they trade someone who doesn't suck. He was going to be helpful. And that's what Santana was. I just, I have a hard time poo-pooing the playoff chances of a team that can roll out Corbin Burns, Brandon Wood, or Freddie Peralta in three straight games. That that team should have a chance against anyone. Would you say if they lose in the wild card round in that three-game series, is this season a failure? I think the playoffs would be a failure. This is what's so weird about baseball, you know? Like, 
it feels like the the postseason is an entirely different season. It feels like it's a different sport. Would the whole season be a failure? I don't think so because I I think they found some some really nice things and they started to develop some some really nice young players. Freelick and you know I know Weimer's stock is pretty low among fans right now, but he did a lot for this team in a year where he wasn't really expected to to have to do anything. So I I give him all the credit in the world and then Terang as well. So. I, no, I don't think the season is a failure if they lose in the NL or in the in the wild card. The postseason will be a big time disappointment, though, if that's the case for sure. Yeah, and I mean it's so difficult in baseball. Like Corbin Burns has a bad night game one. It's a three game series, you know. The offense doesn't show up game two, and that's the end of it. We just yeah. saw it. You know, they had three games in a row in which win and you clinch the division, and they didn't show up for it. The Sal Freelich comments were a little bit unnerving which he said, well, we had a lot of pressure on us. Well, what do you think you're going to have in the playoffs? Yeah. No like kidding. the pressure isn't going down from here, Sal. Yeah. Um, I think this is such a weird window of time uh, from the point where they clinch or almost clinch to the end of the season. I just think it's such a bizarre stretch of time. And, and I don't know that players really know what to do with that stretch. And I don't think fans do either. Like fans remember in 2021, a lot of fans' memories that Craig Council like, took his foot off the gas with a month to go in the season. Oh my God, they took the foot off the gas. Well, really it was like the last five games. They gave Yelich a night off here and like what they didn't completely have a sea change in the way they managed their pitching and their hitting. They just gave guys a little rest. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think how the last week of the season is, is approached is, is really all that impactful to what teams do in the playoffs. I think you show up night one of the wildcard series, like you said, and truly anything can happen. You can have the best pitcher in baseball starting for you. And if he sucks, you're down one game to nothing and you're facing elimination the next night. And that's, that's a brutal reality in a season and in a sport that's 162 games long to come down to, to basically 20 innings worth of baseball is it's jarring and it's yes, it's cutthroat, but that's just how it is. Yeah. Well, speaking of the last week of the season, do you want them to go all out to eliminate the Cubs? I know that's kind of becoming a hot button issue. A lot of people are talking about it. Go all out. Well, that means pitching Devin Williams. You know, yeah, the I last mean, three games. like I wouldn't pitch him three straight games like that, that I wouldn't do. No, I wouldn't do anything that I don't do anything you would normally do. That, that would be that would be my rule of thumb. Right. If Devin Williams can pitch twice in three days, then pitch him twice in three days. You know, I Corbin Burns, Brandon Wooder, Freddie Peralta. I don't know that going six or seven innings on Saturday before the, the wild card series starts on Tuesday. I don't think that's prohibitive. I baseball is such a weird sport. I it's not. I don't, I don't know. So going all out to win three straight games, I don't think puts you at a disadvantage for an upcoming playoff series, unless you're letting pitchers, like if you let Brandon Woodruff pitch 10 innings, uh, yeah, but Craig Council would never do that. That's not that's not within the normal confines of how they normally play. So I I, I would go all out to win all three of those games if I could, and I, and I would do so within the normal rules and regulations that kind of Craig Council normally manages. That's what I would do. Yeah, I would say the absolute worst case scenario for the Brewers did you have a three-game series at American Family Field against the Cubs? I want no part of that. Like, even when the Bucks played the Bulls two years ago, Sucks. even that was, like, I went to game five when they clinched, and even that was an awful playoff experience. <laughs> like, it was 30% Bulls fans. The other 20% of the, of the tickets were just empty. The seats were empty because of people who didn't show up. Like, yeah. there's something about just playing Chicago that I want to avoid at all costs. Yeah, I, I'm i with you just because I don't want their dumb fans here. I it's it, it would just open up a bunch of doors to a bunch of different talking points that I'm not interested in. I, I, I have no interest in doing debates about how we keep Cubs fans out of America. I, just, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'd rather play anyone else. So I, right. I, I've been pulling hard for the Braves this week. I'm going to pull hard for the Brewers this weekend, obviously, because I, I don't want the Cubs at American Family Field for a wild card series. I, I don't want that. That's how we keep their fans out. Eliminate them. Yeah, no kidding. Just eliminate them. Knock them right out of the playoffs, 100%. I want to debate on how to keep Marlins man out of the park. <laughs> that's what I want. I think that's a task for front row Amy, don't you think? That might bring him into the park. Well, well, no, it's it's up to her. That's her territory down there. She's got to get a handle on those tickets and keep out Marlin man, Marlin's man from her domain. There you go. You don't go in Amy's zone. <laughs> no, you don't. You stay out. That's her. That's her territory. You're exactly right. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so since there's a lot of talk about like the Brewers getting funding for the stadium and all that, 
Mm -hmm. um, if you had to choose what they would do with the surrounding area, would you pick parking lots for tailgating or a beer deer district type thing? So I think they can have both. Like, I don't, I don't think it has to be one or the other. Um, I'm not anti beer district. I, I just, I don't know. Everyone talks about that area around the ballpark. Well, it's not being used and no one goes there. I'm like, yeah, cause it's a wasteland. It's an industrial park. That's why no one goes there. And like, it's what, eight minutes from downtown, 10 minutes from downtown. If there's no traffic, I mean, you get on 94, you get off on Van Buren and you're right there. So it's not far enough away from downtown to necessitate us like a second downtown. You know what I mean? Like there's down, there's water street and there's Brady street or like the way cities work is you have an area of bars and restaurants here. And then there is a distance and then there's bars and restaurants over there. And they have to be far enough away to, to make sense separately. And I, I don't know that it makes sense, especially with the bars around the stadium already that run shuttles and do things. I just, I don't know that it makes sense to, to put up a couple random bars in the middle of the parking lot. Cause I don't think anyone's going to go there. Right. I, yeah, I it's supposed to year it's, round. It, it's the chicken or the egg question. Do you think that no one goes to that area because there's nothing there? Or do you think nothing is there because no one wants to go to that area? That, the that's the debate. Yeah. So I don't know. People talk about how there's a ton of parking. Does that keep you up at night? You know no. what I mean? There's more parking than Disney world. Okay. Is that, inherently a bad thing if there's nothing better to do with that space and i'm not sure that there is something yeah. better to do with space. like i don't go chug beers at disney world either so like we're using yeah. that space you don't <laughs> no i personally oh. don't okay. go i'm missing out we we have to go again i i just i don't know Every, everyone wants to be idealistic about you know we're gonna put up hotels and retail and when was the last time you went to a mall you know what i mean let's go over to the strip mall do some I shopping. Try not to. Yeah, no, I, I hate going anywhere and doing anything like I, I, I don't know. Retails and hotels and office space. It's it's all a great idea. We also we also need to remember, and this is something that I try to bring up on my show, like the Deer District is what? Three bars. Like it's it's um, Punchbowl Social. The Mecca. It's the, the Mecca. Yeah, it's an, a little area right in front of the stadium. But people talk about the Deer District like it's an entire downtown. It's, it's it was built downtown. Yeah, the downtown is already there, you know. That's so, and I think that's why it can go like it can survive year round because the downtown's already there. There's people that are gonna come there. Yeah, like the it's, it's an putting extension in an American of family. It's like they already have a restaurant there. They already have a golf thing there. Like, how many people go there year round? You know, like who wants yeah. to go there when you know for three restaurants and that's it? There's already yeah. a downtown in downtown. And I think like here's a good idea. You know, you build down there. Build a pavilion for a big farmer's market or for vendor's markets or whatever. Space that people can come in and use differently. That would be a great idea. Like outdoor gathering spaces for, for this or that or the other thing. If there's a ton of space. You don't need all that parking. I 100% agree. But I don't know that if you build two or three bars in a little cluster, which is really all the Deer District is. If you build two or three bars down there, I don't know that it's become a destination. Because why would someone get in their car who lives downtown to go out there? It's a wasteland. You know what I mean? So unless you rip up every parking lot there and you build a brand new downtown with all of the things, I think it's just kind of a half measure. So I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm not a city planner. I'm not that into this stuff. I, I just, I try to be common sense about it and I don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense. I, I do I think just, they should put, um, they should put like a quick trip or something in the parking lot. Yeah. I think, cause isn't there that law already that you can't sell beer at a gas station in Milwaukee? So then it's like, you're not like there to like bring beer in. Yeah. But you're like, every like tailgate I go to, it's like somebody forgets ice or somebody goes, oh, I brought the grill. Nobody told me I was supposed to bring charcoal. Yeah. You know, it's like, like it's that. always like you forget one thing at every tailgate. Just put like a convenience store in there and yeah. let people who forget things instead of like awkwardly going to your tailgate neighbor and being like, hey, do you guys have extra charcoal? Hey, do you guys have a tongs? Yeah. Just let me go buy it and like well, spare myself the shame. And you and you could put, like I said, like I think of a big pavilion with lots of slots for vendors, for farmers markets on off days and, and things like that. You could have vendors there on game days if you really want it. Like, I don't know. There are there are ways to use the space. I think less is more in this instance. I think the stadium was built there because it's not a super desirable piece of land in the first place. I think that's why it makes sense for the stadium to be there. It can kind of be its own little 
entity. Um, I, I think we here's here's another problem with ballparks. I do like talking about this, even though I'm far from an expert. Every ballpark is different, and that's what's fun about ballparks, right? Like Target Field is a completely different game day experience than American Family Field, and that's okay because Target you don't tailgate at Target Field, but there's bars and the skyline is right there, and there's no roof. American Family Field, there's only tailgating and there's a roof. And it, not every ballpark can have everything. That's what's cool about the differences in ballparks around major. That's why people like going to see different ones. So I, I don't know. I think we, we do a lot of looking over the fence at other ballparks. Wouldn't it be cool if we had this or did that? And I I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me most of the time. One last thing I will say. Um, I was at a game a couple months ago. I, as a man of the people, was in the fourth deck. That a boy. And... There was uh, some people sitting next to us from the visiting fans. I don't even remember what team we were playing. But you get like that really awful view of Milwaukee when you look out the panels, like from the fourth deck. And all you see is like the Masterson building and the old Komatsu building, my old work, Uh, the old Komatsu building. And it is the absolute worst view of Milwaukee (laughs) that you could possibly have. You know, like if the Bucks owners owned the Brewers, they would have bought out all of that real estate. They would have built high-rise apartments there. I don't know if it would have sold, but it would have been a much better skyline to look at. Well, well, and I, well, that's the thing is you would you'd have to buy it all up. You would have to transform it all because right now the area is not desirable. And putting a small little concentration of buildings in undesirable, surrounded by undesirable land, it's it's not going to make it any better. If you want to completely reinvent the whole area, fine but that's going to cost a ton of money. And then you're talking about a a complete and total reimagination, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world. But what a lot of people say in in arguments like this is, well, we'll just take a little bit of the parking and convert it to this. Or we'll take just just one one corner, one lot, because we don't need all this parking. And I agree. And we'll do this. It's like, okay, so then you're left with an apartment building surrounded by parking lots and in an industrial park. And I don't don't know if that one tiny little tweak, I I don't know that that makes sense. So unless we're reinventing the whole damn thing, I, I just, I think it's fine the way that it is. I know that's not imaginative uh, and that's not striving for bigger and better, but I don't know. This is my two cents. For sure. Well, we got America's favorite drinking game for you. That's right. We got another round of Chugger Shrug coming up. <clears throat> we are going to do like we did last time. We're going to start with beers. Uh, same rules if you like it. Chug, if you don't like it, shrug. All right. Um, <laughs> we're going to start with Cerveza Corona. Corona, the beer. Chug or shrug? Chug. Delicious. And okay. delivers a, an island lifestyle right into your bloodstream as you drink it. You feel like you're on vacation when you drink a Corona. Delicious. On the fresh coast. Yeah. Yeah. Tastes like pot. Corona has this weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not wrong, right? No, you're not wrong. I mean, uh, and that makes sense scientifically. They're related. I don't want to nerd out too much on that one. So, uh, Yeah, he works at a weed factory. I I do. I do. It's true. Interesting. Uh, But for legal reasons, I won't say much more. Uh, (laughs) Let's keep it beer. Stella Artois. Fancy one. Chug or shrug? Shrug. I'm not a Stella. I don't like Stella. Peroni. Eh, I don't know the why. The flavor or the fanciness or what does it for you? Maybe both. It's it's not the fanciness. I would never turn up a beer because I don't like how the bottle looks. I just don't love how it tastes. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't hold it against anyone if you like Stella, but not for me. It's a little skunky almost. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like how when you have like a beer that's been sitting in a fridge for too long, it's like that skunky taste. Stella mm-hmm. and Heineken, I think, both kind of have that skunkiness. I'm not a massive Heineken guy either, so I guess it's I have a type. Wow. It's just not that Belgium Dutch yeah, connection. Not, <laughs> yeah, not a fan of the Lowlands. No. Uh, we're gonna move a little more east in Europe, so um, we're gonna be a little more broad on this one. Oktoberfest beers in general, chug or shrug? Spiritually, chug. Literally shrug because I don't like how they taste. But Ooh, okay. but like I'm going to Oktoberfest in Lacrosse this weekend. Someone put I'm gonna drink it. Okay, you okay. hand me a can of Lonnie's October, so I'm gonna drink it. Um, but it would not be my choice of beer if I'm going to the store. Too heavy, too sweet, too heavy, too thick. This is yeah, okay. Thick. Um, I love what it represents though. 
because I love the fall and I love Oktoberfest. It's just I'll drink a different beer at it, as wrong as that sounds. All right. See, I thought that was a softball one. When he suggested that one, I was like, that's too easy. But see, there you go. I'm well, very layered. Many, a lot of, <laughs> lot of different layers. <laughs> the onion of Grant. Just keeps right, on yeah. peeling. <laughs> uh, we're going to peel some party layers now. We're turning up. Uh, Jaeger bomb, chug or shrug? Chug, holy yeah, hell yeah! Jaeger bomb, Jaeger bomb was one of the first shots I ever had at college. I remember taking shots around Diaz, shots of New Am and Jaeger bombs. I remember that very well in the dorms. So very early, very often with Jaeger bomb, big fan. Hell yeah! All right, um, this one, how about Rumple Mints, chug or shrug? Yes. Chug. And honestly, if I'm in a bar. And everyone wants to get shots. It's what I recommend. It's like if we if we're all getting shots, we're doing it together. Rumpies is my go-to. I think Rumpies rules. I chug the hell out of Rumpies. Have you ever had a uh, liquid cocaine shots? I know it sounds bad, but uh, think, what's in it? I think it's Jaeger, Rumple, and Goldschlager. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, we Not used to do a lot of those. Yeah, that was like a college. Uh... I, I think it was just the one time I had it. I don't remember why. It was a very specific reason why I had it, and it just didn't taste good. But it could have been just the day I had it. Okay. Could be. Yeah, Rumble Mints, it like, it's like an extra strong Jack Fire. Hunter Proof, I think. Yeah. All right. In our uh, this one, I'm going to go with a little mixed drink. Martini Chugger Shrug. I don't I feel like you could drink that at the NBA Lounge. Oh, we serve quite a few. I don't know that I've ever had an honest-to-goodness martini. Now, I've gone to Starlight Lounge in La Crosse, and it's a martini bar, and you can get, like, like a boxcar martini or sure. Cosmo. Like, you can get Key Lime or, you know, Snickers martini, shit like that. I don't know that I've ever had just a straight, clear martini with an olive. I don't know that, I, I don't know that I've ever had one. So I might, have to, I might have to pass on this one. I'm not sure. I mean, it gets me hammered, and it probably is yeah. effective. So chug for that reason, but I don't think I've ever had one. I admire that. I admire chugging it, even though you haven't had it. I try it. Yeah, hundred percent. Dive in head first. Yeah. Well, thank you, Grant, for joining us. This has been a great episode of Thirsting Ten. Uh, follow us on. Do you have anything to plug? I guess I should ask you first. No, no. I mean, the Wisco Sports Show. It's wherever you find your podcast. It's on the radio every day. If you're in Madison, Eau Claire, La Crosse. Um, but otherwise, no. I just like coming on here with you guys. I didn't expect to talk about Rumpelmans, which is one of my passions, really. Nice. I I do love taking Rumpelmans shots because I've, I've never felt like I've gone over the edge on Rumpelmans, and it keeps your breath fresh. So if you yeah. get to brush your teeth when you get home from the bars, it could be worse. I will be, I'd still recommend brushing your teeth, but it could be worse. <laughs> I will be sure to bring one to the next tailgate I see you at. And, uh, yeah, this has been Thurston 10. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. Cheers.